When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Mini Break, your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, June 22nd. It was a day on the WTA and ATP tours that I thought saw most players play better tennis than they did in round number one of their respective events. That said, I still don't know if anyone's playing their best best tennis yet on these grass courts. Now, it's only week two of the 2023 grass court season. Just about all of these players have played fewer than five, let alone the 10, 12 matches you really need to feel comfortable on any surface. Nevertheless, the grass court season carries on. And of course, on today's show, even if the play was still a bit sloppy, I want to break down all the action we saw across both the WTA and ATP tours. We have four events on the calendar. There are three 500-level events in Berlin for the women, Halle and London for the men. We've got a WTA 250 as well in Birmingham on today's show. I want to catch all of you tennis fans up on all of the action that unfolded over the course of the past 24 hours. We did have a major upset, at least on paper, unfold in Veronica Kudermatova's victory over Arena Sabalenka in Berlin. But all I learned from that match is it turns out warm-ups matter. Kudermatova making a final last week on the grass courts. She just looked far more comfortable than Sabalenka did on the surface. And you saw that comfort level, that additional comfort for Kudermatova, excuse me, manifest itself in a massive advantage. Her footwork, a little bit cleaner, her aggression, better executed. I'll get into the nitty-gritty details of that match here on today's show, and I suppose continue to make the case for why Kudermatova is sneaking her way up the list of contenders as we approach this 2023 Wimbledon. Of course, the quarterfinals are now set everywhere, so again, I'll recap the remaining round of 16 results we saw on Thursday in Berlin, set the scene for all of our intriguing quarterfinal matches. I'll do the same in Halle, in London, in Birmingham. Now, do we have any upset? in either of those events. It depends what you want to qualify as an upset. Adrian Manorino beating Taylor Fritz. Again, on paper, that's an upset. On grass courts, given the specifics of the matchup, I don't know how shocking that result was, particularly as you watched it unfold. Again, like many of these grass matches, it was a match decided on the margins in the end. Manorino a little bit more comfortable on the surface. That's how he's able to knock out Fritz. You also had plenty of guys tested on the day, right? Andre Rublev got tested. Yannick Sinner got tested. Want to break down those results? A couple of guys we haven't spent a lot of time on yet this week, of course. Alcaraz, Demon, a couple other guys cruised. We'll break all of that down. Talk Krejcikova in Birmingham. Talk about maybe your best match of the day in Potapova versus McNally as well. We'll break down all of Thursday's action here on today's show, of course. Before we do that, though, I do want to direct all of your attention to a couple of other things happening right now at Crack Rackets. I know I've done that all week, but, you know, this is the time. 
in the tennis calendar where I suppose we have as much of a lull as we'll ever get. As such, it felt like a good time for us to reset where things stand across the board in the tennis world right now. That's why if you hop on over to our Great Shot podcast feed, you will hear my halfway mark award shows with our dear friend David Kane. We broke down the WTA here on Thursday. We'll have our ATP award show for all of you on Friday. Again, those episodes available on the Great Shot podcast feed. Of course, if you're looking to hear from some players who have had success across levels, we have recent USTA SoCal Pro Series champions, Jacob Brum, Fangran Tien, who, by the way, also won the 2023 NCAA Women's Singles titles. We've had them on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed, French Open Men's Doubles champion, Austin Krejcik. All that content available wherever you listen to your podcasts, again, on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed. So, Please, I always ask, but I do mean it. Like, rate, subscribe, review, share with your friends. You can find all those episodes also on our website, CrackedRackets.com, or on our various social media channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. I tweet out a bunch of the links to episodes at A.L. Gruskin as well. So if you're looking for more on everything that's happening day in, day out, minute in, minute out in the tennis world, you can follow it all at Crack Rackets, at A.L. Gruskin. Appreciate all of you who have already taken the time to do so. Sincerely, it does mean the world to all of us here at CR, as does the support we get from our dear friends at Tennis Point. Tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest equipment at the best prices. All of that established. Let's get into Thursday's action across the WTA and ATP tours. As I mentioned earlier, the biggest upset of the day happened in Berlin. So that's where I want to start today's show. Look, Veronica Kudermatova has existed in this tier, in this plane on the WTA tour for 18 months now. It really shouldn't be that shocking to see Kudermatova earn a victory like she did over Arena Sabalenka on Wednesday, 6-2-7-6, particularly given the facts that a, for Kudermatova, it was her second event on the grass courts of the season. She got five matches last week in making the final in the Netherlands. Uh, you know, this is match, what, number seven then for her of the season. That's certainly in the top 10% of grass court matches played in this 2023 season on the WTA Tour. On the other side, obviously for Rena Sablanka, it was only match number two of the grass court season. And look, I do think that's the biggest storyline coming out of this match is Sabalenka looked like a fish out of water, particularly in set number one. And you have to credit the 26-year-old Kuder Matova who put that pressure on Sabalenka to force her to have to be comfortable moving in and out of the outer thirds of the court, be comfortable playing on the stretch. And of course, what has allowed Sabalenka to elevate herself to the next level this season, not just the renewed consistency, or not maybe renewed, but even newfound consistency we see from point one to the final point from Sabalenka, but that ability to use her explosiveness, use her power, use the power of her first step, and just destroy you from the corners. When Sabalenka gets her racket on the ball this season, she's hitting the ball three quarters through the court, and she's making, you know, getting the rally back to neutral at a minimum, if not making you completely uncomfortable as her opponent, and Today, the footwork wasn't there. 
It just felt like everything Sabalenka hit, particularly in the first set, she was hunched over, fully on the stretch. And again, a lot of that credit has to go to Kudermatova. When 83% of her first serve points faced or was broken once and faced just two break points throughout the course of the match. And look, Kudermatova was a top 10 server on the WTA Tour last season. She has fallen a bit behind, I suppose, this year, 69.8%. The tour average hold percentage right now, 71%, which is pretty constant with where it was last year. So I know that hold percentage has dipped, but for what it's worth, it's been offset by a subsequent rise in her break percentage. Kudermatova breaking a career high 34.8% of the time this season. Now, for what it's worth, the WT Tour average of a top 50 player, 35.7. But again, that's a 3 4% improvement from where Kudermatova was last season. She's typically a bottom 10 returner. Right now, she's 31st amongst top 50 players. That's a step forward for Kudermatova, who... You could see the improvements she's made. Again, she has shortened her forehand backswing. She has closed her shoulder a bit more to, again, emphasize leaning into the ball and emphasize accelerating and turning through that forehand ball. You see a clear tactical shift. Go watch her hit a forehand in January compared to how she's hitting her forehand right now on this grass court. Perhaps in a, the perfect manifestation example of that in the in the match with Sabalenka, 3-1 Mini break lead for Kudermatova in the second set breaker. Sabalenka hits a good serve into the Kudermatova that in the past may have resulted in a short ball or just an easy opportunity for Sabalenka. No, Kudermatova laces the forehand down the line. She looks a little stronger. Like they're just, I don't know. It's some, there's just something about Kudermatova right now. It's an eye test thing. It just seems a little bit different, a little bit better. And look, Veronica Kudermatova right now, quietly just sitting in ninth in the points race, quietly just sitting in 12th overall in the WTA rankings. You look for her total wins on the season. Kudermatova coming into the week 22 and 13. Now she has 24 victories. She's tied with Goff for the fifth and Garcia for the fifth most on the WTA tour amongst top 50 players this season. You look again, even more broadly than that, while she struggled, obviously, at the slams, first round loss, Roland Garros, second round loss, Australian Open, she's still cranking out quarters and semis. Semis in Doha, semis in Madrid, semis in Rome, finals last week, now another quarterfinal here in Berlin. You, you make a WTA Tour Finals once, maybe something break, broke your way. Maybe you just were the healthiest player from start to finish throughout the course of the year. And because you were good enough and healthy enough, you accumulated the most points, as the point system can sometimes reward. But you do it for 18 months consecutively, it ain't no fluke. Now, maybe it's a byproduct of the parity we see. And again, by virtue of getting to quarterfinals, you're just... That consistency is rewarded perhaps now more than ever, but Kudermatova played like a top 10 player today against Sabalenka. She took it to her, and she's comfortable volleying. Again, she's had success on this surface. It's not just this season. You look for Kudermatova in the past on this surface, 24 and 14 overall, semis in the Netherlands twice before making the finals this year. She's quartered now Berlin two separate times. Further she's ever gone at Wimbledon is the round of 64 losses to, here's a blast from the past, Stefkova in 2018, a loss to Wozniacki in 2019. Obviously last year wasn't allowed to play Wimbledon. I don't know, 24 and 14 is a bigger record than you're going to find than a lot of the top contenders 
or at least the traditional top contenders we would have on our list heading into Wimbledon this season. Again, Sabalenka's got to get better. I think with more matches, she'll have the opportunity to do so. And her serve against someone who doesn't have, you know, you have to be able to match Sabalenka's pace. You have to be able to take it to her because you offer her any sort of time, she's going to crush you. And, you know, you look for Sabalenka today, one of her poor service performances of the year. She was under 60% first serve percentage. She's done that, you know, fewer than 15 times this year. And, you know, while the double faults didn't creep in, Kudermatova was all over the second serve again, a testament to her improved returns. Sabalenka didn't play her best, but it's because Kudermatova didn't allow her to have any rhythm, and Kudermatova took it to her. And look, tomorrow is just a fascinating battle because it's two of the players I would legitimately consider for my top 10 list of contenders heading into Wimbledon right now as Kudermatova in the quarterfinals is going to have a rematch of last week's Netherlands final as she will take on Katerina Alexandrova, ECAT 4-0 over Coco Golf. You look for Alexandrova by reaching the quarterfinals. She's up to number 20 in the live rankings, four off her career high. She's now sitting at 21 in the points race. I mean, 7-0 start to her grass court season. You have our attention, Ecat, And, you know, again, she's beaten Kudermatova now. She's beaten Goff. She's beaten Samsonova. These are real wins. These aren't flukes. These aren't soft draws. And it's the depth. It's the pace. It's how well she keeps the ball in front of her. How willing, you know, her depth down the center of the court. Eventually, you pop something up. And when you have the opportunity to be the aggressor with an open line of attack on grass courts, it's never more rewarded on any surface. And ECAT is so good at taking advantage of those opportunities. Obviously, did a good job doing what you have to do against Goff, picking on the forehand. But I thought more than anything else, it was the depth on her return of serve. And, you know, you look for ECAT right now. She's not top 25 in both hold and break percentage. She is, though, currently sitting at seventh in hold percentage in this 2023 season. Now, the break percentage has been poor for ECAT, who certainly could be qualified as a streaky player, but it's a hot streak right now. Seven wins in a row for Alexandrova. That's how you sustain a top 25 rank and you rip off a streak like that. You have our attention. ECAT, Kudermatova, 2-2 career head-to-head. Obviously, ECAT got her last week. Kudermatova, 50.6% favorite according to Tennis Abstract. Yeah, that feels about right. Sometimes the singles forecast gets it exact. That's your most intriguing quarterfinal. But, I mean, all the matchups are interesting. And just your final two matches of the day, Marketa Vondrosova, she's played really good tennis this week. And, look, I know that forehand backswing is big, but the slices she plays, her ability to change direction on a whim, just her ability to find the outer thirds and get you stretched so uncomfortably on this surface. It just works. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. Win healthy. Vondrosova is a top 50 player. I talked about this with DK in our award show. She's quietly worked her way all the back, all the way back up, excuse me, from outside the top 100 at the beginning of the year, back up to number 40 in the live rankings, which just means you're getting in to everything you want to get in. And you're back in the ball game now if you're the 23-year-old former French uh, French Open finalist, Marketa Vondrosova. Unfortunately, Niemeyer forced to retire before the match could conclude, but Vondrosova, 6-3, 6-5. She advances to the quarters. You look for Vondrosova. When's the last time she made a a tour-level quarterfinal? Good question, everyone. I'm glad you asked. The last time she did it, Linz, back in February when she made the semifinals. But, of course, round of 16 in Rome, round of 16 in Miami. The Druce is back. 
And again, given the contrast of styles she plays to so many, I think it's great to have her back. She will take on Maria Sakari tomorrow. Sakari 2-1 over Alexandra Sasnovich. So much better than last week. So much better. Turns out getting matches under your belt matters on this surface. And Sakari Vandrosova is a fun one. And just a reminder, your quarterfinals, you have the youngster Avanisian taking on Donna Vekic. That one, maybe the funkiest of the bunch. Vekic, a 77.7% favorite, most lopsided match according to the singles forecast. Vandrusova versus Sakari. Sakari, a 66% favorite, but Vandrusova 1-0 in the career head-to-head. You like first strike tennis? How about Garcia versus Kvitova? Kvitova 5-4 in the career head-to-head. 60.2% favorite according to Tennis Abstract. And then again, Kudermatova, Alexandrova, 2-all in the career head-to-head between those two. That's where things stand. Heading into quarterfinal Friday in Berlin. Heading into quarterfinal Friday in Halle. It's an equally interesting field. And looking at the results we saw in Halle on Thursday... What's the most shocking thing? I mean, I guess Bublik beating Struff, Greekspor beating Hercots. Those are both upsets, again, on paper, but how shocking are they? Let's start with Talon Greekspor. He's got to be on a short list of top dark horses entering Wimbledon, much like Ekat, Ekaterina Alexandrova. Greekspor has now won seven in a row on the grass courts to kick off his campaign. And again, seven real victories. He wins the Netherlands last week, in the Netherlands last week, wins over Demon, wins over, I guess, Rusevori, Popper, and Thompson, Emer, not the toughest draw, but all guys you'd play in a first or a second round to get to the dance floor and, you know, for him to get a 6-4 in the third win over a Demon who's in the quarterfinals in Queens, for him to now beat a guy who's made a semifinals in Wimbledon in Hoopy Hercot 7-6 in the third today, it's the movement. And to look comfortable as a mover and be, uh, not to look comfortable, who cares what you look like, to be comfortable as a mover on this surface, right now that feels more valuable than just about anything else because almost everyone's looking like a fish out of water. Djokovic never does. Right now, everything Greek Spore wants to do is in command. The The highest compliment I can offer him, and I don't, you know, again, if you're a hardcore tennis fan, maybe if you've watched enough grass court tennis relative to other surfaces, this comparison will make the most sense to you. Greek Spore is just playing normal tennis. Like, when the forehand line is open, he takes it. He's passing when the opportunity presents itself, playing slice maybe more frequently than he otherwise would, but to keep the ball low and to neutralize things, moving forward when the opportunity presents itself. He's just playing standard tennis, and his quality is, you know, again, he, Hercos played well, and I still think coming off of this match and coming off of these first two events for Hercats, who lost 6-3 in the third to Struff last week, 7-6 in the third to Greek Spore this week. He's played a bunch of three-set matches. That's just how Hubi Hercats rolls. I'm not selling Hubi Hercats stock. I feel about as good about him on this surface relative to normal expectations as you do just about anyone not named Djokovic in the field. If you do it seven matches in a row, as Ekaterina Alexandrova has as well, again, it all stands the same for Greek Spore. How well he hits his forehand to the open court, how well he hits his forehand on the run on this surface. Roberto Bautista Agut in his prime-esque. The slice he's able to play with his backhand. He can find every angle. He's got some pop, though, too. The low center of gravity. 
Greek sport's good on grass. And again, for the 26-year-old to reach another quarterfinal now here in 2023, it's his what? He made a quarterfinal in India to start the year where he won the title. Quarterfinals in Rotterdam, quarterfinals in Marrakesh, quarterfinals last week, quarterfinals this week, five quarterfinals. That's a top 20 mark on the ATP Tour this season. And as such, it's no shock to see Greek Spore uh, currently sitting at 30 in the live rankings. Greek Spore currently sitting at 20 in the points race. He's fewer than 900 points behind Karen Hatchinov at 10th. He's few, he's about 1,200 points behind uh, 1,150 behind Casper Root in 8th. I mean, that's a, that's a big gap. And again, Root hasn't played much grass court tennis. But uh, man, like Talon Greekspoor. What a story. It's real. Three years now. He's played top 50 level tennis. And again, if the point, I know this is always so stupid to make, but the outsized expectations of every tennis fan, not everyone can be Novak Djokovic. If you can play tennis and make enough money that you don't need a second, a serious second career, that you're not going to have to spend 12 hour days doing whatever it is after you've spent 20 hour days for 29 years playing tennis from ages 7 to 36, as so many of these professionals do. When you can make enough money as a professional tennis player that you don't have to worry about that second job, you have had success. And I'll tell you what, Talon Griegspoor, he's going to play at least 20, 25 slam main draws at the pace he's at in his career. Prize money so far, $2.1 million. Tell you what, I haven't made $2.1 million yet in my lifetime. I imagine many of you listeners, hopefully many of you listeners have. And shout out to you if you have. Um, and call me. Slide into the DMs at A.L. Gruskin as you have, if you have. Because, boy, I got some questions for you. Um, yeah, it's the Greek sport's the real deal. It, it, it looks like top 25 tennis. I know tennis is such an eye-sport centric thing and you know you look at the top 25 club right now talent greek spore not a member not one of the 12 players ranked top 25 in both hold and break percentage on the men's side but five quarterfinals seven straight wins on grass courts really impressive stuff seven six in the third and you know again they're both hercots is hitting tweener winners greek spores coming up with the short angle drops hey, look hercots misses a plus one forehand on match point eight ten eight Greek sport takes the third set breaker. That's how thin the margins were. That's how well Greek sport played. It was top 20 tennis on a grass court. He's the real deal. I'm fascinated by his match with Andre Rublev tomorrow. Look, Rublev looked good. I mean, good luck dealing with his forehand on this surface with how heavy that ball is, how fast it moves through this court. You're just going to be falling backwards. And that's where I got to give credit to Yannick Hanfman, who looked like a top 50 player. And Hanfman, the former USC All-American, dear friend of the show here at Crack Rackets, this match was really close. Hanfman goes down an early break. He gets the break back in the first and has his opportunities in the first set breaker and hits one loose forehand at six all and, you know, off of a really nice Rublev forehand that kind of forced the error, but it was still a loose error from Hanfman. And yet, Hoffman's ability to absorb pace on his backhand wing, the drop shots. Yes, the forehand backswing's a little bit big, and ultimately Rublev's pace overwhelmed that forehand to produce enough errors for Rublev to win the match. But Hoffman's so creative. The kick serves, the slices wide, the serve and volley. He's got the size. He's got the athleticism. I've said this about Yannick Hoffman since we founded this podcast back in 2017. I've always been a believer in his skill set. And did it take longer than I expected? Yes, but 
Top 50 in the world, baby. Yana Confident's going to have a really fun final six months, and don't be surprised if he beats someone good because he just has that sort of skill set that on the right day, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. He can play on his terms and make you uncomfortable with his weapon. Still, it's a really good win for Rublev. It's another quarterfinal for Rublev, who quietly right now sitting at seven in the live rankings, seven in the points race. This is who he's been for five years, like... I mean, again, it's not time to have a Hall of Fame conversation for a guy who's not even 27 years old, but he's still, right now, he's definitely in the Hall of Really Good because you have a five year run like this, and it really does feel like Andre Rublev might make north of seven ATP Tour finals in his career, and you just don't see that sort of prolonged success. And, you know, again, with guys like Runa, Sinner, Alcaraz, all going to be competing for ATP Tour final spots. I don't know how many more times we'll see Djokovic and Nadal, but when healthy, you got to include them. And then there's just a smorgasbord of guys. Tsitsipas, Svirev, Medvedev, Rublev, obviously, the Hachinovs of the world and the seasons he's had, the season he's having, the Americans, Fritz, so, you know, Tiafo, I almost said Opelka, Paul, you figure one of the Canadians, FAA or Shapovalov, will at some point get things together. There, you know, Corda's another young American who you think maybe someday he can throw himself in the mix. There's about 15 guys who you would say are all, you know, it's funny, in, in the NBA, it's always about, do you have a number one guy? And could this guy actually be, you know, Jokic is a guy considered a top player in the world, uh, Giannis Tentacumpo, top player in the world, and, you know, other guys on that tier, maybe you throw Doncic in that conversation, maybe you still throw Kevin Durant in that conversation, you know, again, there's a difference between that tier of players and really good players, like a James Harden or a, a whatever it may be. I don't know why I went with an extended basketball analogy for all of you, but the point is Djokovic is the superstar tier. Djokovic is the Jokic. Djokovic is the Giannis. And Nadal and Federer all existed in that unequivocal top guy tier forever. Well, that next tier, that superstar tier, or in the translation for tennis, that top eight tier, there are about 15 guys you can make an argument for being in that top eight tier right now. And I look forward to having that discussion with David Kane on our award show, who have been those top eight guys through the first six months of the season. Because after, honestly, there's a pretty firm top five, in my opinion, but six, seven, eight, that's where things start to get really fascinating. Anyways, all of that is to say Andre Rublev has been remarkably consistent over a course of time where it, there has been a lot of fluctuation. Who's at the top? Who's at the bottom? feels like Andre Rublev's always in the top 10 during this stretch, and that's a credit to, again, you know exactly what you're getting from Rublev. 6-3 and three over Hanfman. He's going to take on Greek Sport in the quarterfinals. Your other two winners on the day, look, Bublik Bublikt. I know I've been making a Struve top 10 contender Wimbledon case and losing 6-3 in the third to Sasha Bublik, particularly after going up right away a break in the first set. You feel like typically you can get Bublik down and out, but look, Struve's in Germany. He had a home crowd, and Bublik loved it. Absolutely loved it. Brought out his best tennis, brought out his best effort. He showed off all the creativity, the weapons. And look, dealing with his serve, his aggression on this surface, it's going to be a nightmare. This is a surface where he could have a result where on the right serving day, he could beat absolutely anyone because Sasha Bublik's as good as tennis as he wants to be on any given day. Bublik three sets over Struff. 
You also had the all-Italian battle. Look, Lorenzo Sinego's a low-tier dark horse, and he could beat a 22nd seed. Or, you know, again, if he, looking at the draw, if I tell you unseeded Sinego beats 25th-seeded Yoshihito Nishioka or beats a struggling right now 28th-seeded Dan Evans in the first round, beats a 14th-seeded Borna Cioric, wouldn't shock me at all because the Italian's playing that well. But, man— same thing about Sinner. His pace, the weight of his shot on this surface, his renewed willingness to move forward, how well he's moving. I remain all in on Yannick Sinner, even if he still doesn't have that signature, signature run this year, even if he's been got a bite at the apple at just about every big event. And look, Sinner Bublik's a fun quarterfinal. That's a lot of power on one court. And looking at the quarterfinals, Big men everywhere. You've got Yari versus Virev, 2-2 career head-to-head. Bublik taking on Sinner. Sinner 3-0 in the career head-to-head. Rublev, Greek Spore, uh, certainly a fun one. Rublev 1-0 in the career head-to-head. And then if you want physicality, even on a grass court, Medvedev, RBA. And don't forget, RBA, 4-2 career head-to-head. That has always been a tough matchup for Daniil Medvedev, forced to generate his own pace. Right now, Medvedev, 30.7% favorite to win the title, according to Tennis Abstract. Sinner, second at 18%. Singles forecast says Rublev Greek Spore is the one to watch tomorrow. They give Rublev a 50.5% chance of winning that match. It's a lot of respect based off, I'm sure, the seven-match win streak Greek Spore has been on on these grass courts to start the year. But, yeah, That's a fun set of quarterfinals. Certainly London's a fun set of quarterfinals as well. And I want to move there next because while we didn't have a signature upset, I suppose, on the day, we did have one in Adrian Manorino knocking out Taylor Fritz 6-4-7-6. Now, the double fault ending was disappointing, but neither guy played their best tennis down the home stretch of that second set breaker credit to Fritz found a big first serve first forehand combination to fight off a set point at 5-6 and that's the sort of clutch big hitting in the big moment you know Fritz seems to have pulled wait did Fritz double fault on match point and someone double faulted on match point today I think it was Taylor Fritz but still again came up with a good plus one forehand no he didn't double fault on the match point that was Hubi Hurkacz who double faulted on the match point Fritz uh or how did the match end? It, there was a Manorino double fault at one point, but Manorino goes slider out wide at the match point in that Fritz match. That's how that one happened. And look, Adrian Manorino, watching him hit forehands, just a uh, flick of the wrist. It's a little ooh flick of the wrist there. You all know that sound effect is indicative of just like how effortless it seems. It literally is. And I mean, you listen to his, he strings his racket at what, 30, 32 pounds, if we're lucky. Maybe sometimes it's even in the low 20s or teens because all he does is absorb, redirect. He never takes a big cut because if he did, that ball would go flying given that loose string tension. I mean, again, Manorino moved the ball around so well. He absorbed pace with his backhand so well. He moved forward at the right times. He got Fritz stretch. I still think Taylor didn't play a poor match. Now, this maybe puts a little bit of ice or maybe cools off the Taylor Fritz top five contender to win Wimbledon conversation. Because look, if you want to win Wimbledon, you're going to have to go through an Adrian Manorino who, you know, the sort of veteran who just knows how to maneuver on this surface. That said, again, it's a particularly poor matchup just given how well Manorino and how badly he wants to absorb heavy top spin ground strokes, particularly like the ones Fritz throws his way. Still, Fritz had his chances. You know, it was a four and six match. You look for Taylor Fritz on the day. He 
actually was broken twice, but he won 77% of his first serve points, over 50% of his second serve points. He kept pace. I do think he looks a little bit better in the outer thirds. He hung too many volleys, but he is he's still better and more willing as a volleyer. Still, Adrian Manorino is just the real deal. And I brought up this stat earlier in the week, but you look for Adrian Manorino in his career on the ATP Tour. And keep in mind, Manorino, 35 years old uh, as of one week from today. So happy early birthday to him at the ATP level. You look for Manorino. 185 and 202, so he's won 48% of his hard court matches. Six, uh, excuse me, on clay courts, 16 and 56. He's won 22% of his clay court matches. Grass courts, he's 61 and 43. Won 59% of his matches. That's his highest win percentage on any surface by reaching the quarterfinals this week. He's into his 15th career quarterfinal on a grass court, considering there's one month and what, four events per year on grass court at most for these players to make 15 grass court finals? That's a ridiculous number for Adrian Manorino. That's got to be a top 10 number amongst active players on the ATP Tour. And again, it speaks to how well his flat, weird, just low-bouncing game works on this surface. And so, yes, upset, but in my opinion, name only. Credit to Manorino, though. He's through in straight sets. Everything else on the day, pretty straightforward. Demon looks really good. And with every passing match for Talon Griegspor, Demon's three-set loss to Griegspor last week feels less and less significant. Diego Schwartzman just could not hurt Demon Hour. The same way Andy Murray couldn't hurt Demon Hour. Two and two over Diego. Another quarterfinal for him on a grass court. Demon quietly sitting at 18 in the live rankings. Three off his career high. He's If he wins the tournament this week, he'll jump all the way up to 14, which would indeed be a new career high. Dimitrov, 3-5 and five over Sarundalo. He was just properly patient. And look for the qualifier. That's just still, to me, so funny to say out loud. But Grigor Dimitrov has to come through qualifying to get into the main draw of this match. He's 26 in the world entering in the, the week. You look for Dimitrov now. He's made two quarterfinal runs in the past month. He's made just three, excuse me, four quarterfinals all year long. Wins the, uh, makes the final in Geneva the week before the French Open. I know he loses, you know, round of 16 at the French Open as well. And, you know, now through qualifying, he comes and he makes the quarterfinals here in London. He's heating up. He's won what? I want to say four plus six is 10 of his last 12 matches. And, you know, 10 of his last 12, 11 of his last 14. And the three losses are Djokovic, Zverev, and Six and one to Nicolas Yari in a final in Geneva. Dimitrov's heating up, and again, just given the experience he has on grass courts relative to the rest of the field, you look for Grigor Dimitrov in his career, 39 and 29 on this surface, semifinalist at Wimbledon back in 2014. Of course, he's won a title on this surface as well, Queens Club back in 2014. First quarter final for him on grass court since Queens Club 2017, but made the round of 16 that year following that run at Queens Club. It's a good run for him in London this season. What does he have for us at store at Wimbledon? Perhaps that's some foreshadowing that he can make another runner at the very least hold seed and put himself in the conversation as we approach week two. Sarandolo didn't know how to deal with his backhand slice on this surface. It just slowed, it just screwed up the rhythm of Sarandolo, who found his forehand at times, but not frequently enough. 
wasn't quite good enough executing when moving forward. Again, Dimitrov, 3-5 and five victory. Uh, he advances to the quarterfinals where, look, he's got the test of tests. Carlos Alcaraz. Alcaraz 2-3 and three over Yuri Lachachka. Was he great? No. Was he better than round one? Certainly. I mean, he broke Lachachka to start the match and never turned back. Ooh, uh, you look for Alcaraz. He won 83% of his first serve points, fought off all three break points that he faced. Looked more comfortable moving on the surface, even if still the timing wasn't quite right. And that's why I thought we saw as many errors as we did in this match. But look, this was a slugfest. And Lachetchka just too many unforced errors on the day. It was a sloppy match, but sloppy was still a step in the right direction for Carlos Alcaraz as everything looked a little bit more in rhythm, even if it wasn't perfectly executed. Alcaraz through the quarterfinals, he's 2-0 against Dimitrov in the head-to-head, but this is certainly the surface where you feel like Dimitrov's got maybe his only shot against Alcaraz right now. Uh, Alcaraz... 66% 66% favorite according to Tennis Abstract. Your other quarterfinals, Korda versus Nori. That's a fun one. There was once upon a time where Korda blitzed Nori in a major. Nori will be ready for it this time. Uh, Korda 2-1 career head-to-head. Demon 3-1 in the career head-to-head against Manorino. That's a fun matchup of sneaky dark horses for Wimbledon. And then who doesn't love the Battle of the Young Guns? Runa, Musetti. It's your closest match according to the Tennis Abstract singles forecast. Runa, 56.5% favorite. Your favorites, by the way, Runa, Demon Hour, Nori, Alcaraz. Right now, Alcaraz, 26.8% favorite to win the title. Nori, 21.6%. Demon, 16.6%. But usually if Alcaraz is in the draw, the forecast is much more lopsided like that. So again, speaks to the uncertainty we have right now surrounding all things grass court tennis. Those are your first three results. Let's get to your final event of the week happening in Birmingham. (sighs) Four three-set matches. I mean, I I don't want to minimize what we saw in Birmingham, even though it's the final event I'm covering here today. I don't know how she did it, but I mean, I do know how she did it because she was able to ride the roller coaster, the ups and downs of Yelena Ostapenko. And, you know, did Venus ultimately pull through? No, she didn't. You look for Ostapenko, 6-3, She's able to knock off Venus, advance to the quarterfinals. There are times in the first set where you felt like it might just be a runaway freight train. How in the world was Venus going to manage to deal with the pace that Ostapenko was throwing at her? But Venus did. And man, doesn't matter how old she is, she'll be hitting that backhand down the line beautifully just for the duration of her life. You can't fake that, how natural it is, how well she hits her spots, just the tenacity. Again, that willingness to step forward, the fearlessness. What does Venus Williams care who's across the net? Venus is out there for Venus. She doesn't care what else is going on the other side of the court. I was so impressed by Venus's effort and her level today. She like she was striking the ball and matching, you know, again, enough pace to make Ostapenko uncomfortable. Ostapenko threw 6-3 in the third, but <sighs> shout out to Venus. That was really fun to watch. The contrast between Freak and Kirstea, Mandalina Freak, as physical a match I've seen out of any player on the grass court so far this year, she was grinding Kirstea down. It really came down to how bold was Kirstea willing to be? Was she willing to attack a ball as a swinging volley instead of letting it bounce and letting Freak's reset back to zero? Freak had a simple game plan. Pace down the center of the court, force you to open things up prematurely and take advantage of whatever space opened from there. 
It's a good win for the Polish qualifier. 6-4 in the third. She's made back-to-back -back quarterfinals now on grass courts to start this 2023 grass court season. How about Anastasia Potapova? 7-6 in the third over Katie McNally. All that does is reaffirm my belief that McNally is a top 25 player on grass courts because certainly Potapova has looked that part through her first two matches in Birmingham. Last three setter on the day huh, from five match points down. Lucky loser Rebecca Marino, who I'm uh, who I really love to watch. Her power, I, I talked about her yesterday, but from five match points down, she knocks out my fellow Wolverine, Amina Bactis. That one hurt my soul because the idea of Bactis going from zero quarterfinals to back to back quarterfinals and back to back events this month at 30 years old. I don't know why that at 30 years old matters at all, but it just speaks to the tenacity and the continued drive of Amina Bactis. But man. Manorino, gumption check. She passes. Your final result of the day, Krechikova 4-4. Four four. Sneaky physical match, but Krechikova's find in the rhythm. Her willingness to move forward, that ability to take the return on the rise, that ability to hit the out wide serve to open up just the easy lanes of attack for her plus one forehand. It's all real for Krechikova. And, you know, again, I, I made the case for why I think she, despite her recent struggles and the poor clay court season, she's still been clearly a top eight player here in 2023. It's time to start looking the part again. She's back into the quarterfinals here in Birmingham. First quarterfinal for her since Dubai all the way back in February. And look, as such, right now, Ostapenko is the favorite. 45.7% according to Tennis Abstract. Krechikova 26-3. Potapova 12-5 after that. I like the matchups across the board. Krechikova, Fruvertova in. Julin versus Marino. 3-2 head-to-head for Julin in. 1-0, by the way, for Krechikova. Dart Potapova. Big hitting. I'm in. Potapova 1-0 career head-to-head. And then first career matchup between Ostapenko and Freak. Ostapenko should be the heavy favorite. I don't know what Magdalena Freak is going to do to disrupt the rhythm of Ostapenko. As always, it's on the Ostapenko racket. And I suppose we'll all be ready to ride that roller coaster as it approaches tomorrow. But with that said, that's the scene heading into quarterfinal Friday and what should be another fun championship weekend on both the ATP and WTA tours. Of course, it's going to be a fun championship weekend here at Crack Rackets as we have our continued coverage of the 2023 USTA SoCal Pro Series. You can find all that action Saturday, Sunday on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. We've crowned first-time champions throughout the course of the first three or first four weeks. I don't even know where we're at in the series at this point. It's been that much fun tennis. It's all blended together. But if you want to see young, rising, ascending talents in both the men's and women's game, you want to watch it all for free and support what they're all doing, please be sure to tune in to our broadcast, USTA SoCal Pro Series again Friday. Typically, we start 1 p.m. Eastern time, same deal Sunday, excuse me, not Friday, Saturday, Sunday, men's, women's, singles, semifinals and finals, doubles finals for you on Saturday as well. All that coverage available on our website and on our YouTube channel, CrackedRackets.com, due to the Tyler's efforts of our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who, as always, has a f*** of an editing job to do day in, day out, making all of this content possible. A shout-out to him. A shout-out as well to our dear friends at Tennis Point. Remember, it's Tennis-Point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. With all of that said, for my fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. Talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.